Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. We don't want to be falsely accusing people. Let's think of the word. That's heavy. That's the same thing the devil does. It's the devil's work. So you don't want to be a slanderer. You don't want to be talking about people, accusing people falsely. Something that I've known people to do is we might see something that someone, you know, did. And then we don't know why they did it or where it came from, but we'll go ahead and add, you know, we'll go ahead and fill in the blanks. You know, I, I bet she did that because, or I, I bet she, you know, whatever. And it's like, you don't know that. We cherish our freedom to choose. We love the liberty to make decisions for ourselves. And we love to be right, even when it hurts us. Today, Pastor Bill wants you to know that you need to put your faith in Jesus if you want to change the things in your life that you hate. Jesus wants to help you to be the best person you can be. We hear so many different teachers, speakers, and orators in so many different medias in our current culture. You need to ignore the fleeting teachings of this world and focus on God's Word. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Titus chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. We're kind of going through the what we call the pastoral epistles. We get 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, we're in Titus, and then we're going to do Philemon. Then we're, going to get, then we're going to get real deep and go to Romans. But um, Titus, uh, his ministry was a little different than Timothy, if you remember. Paul seemed like he was constantly encouraging Timothy to be just to be strong. Seemed like Timothy was a little timid and that wasn't a hindrance. That wasn't going to keep him from being used. But Paul was encouraging him that your natural posture may be that you're timid, but I'm encouraging you that you be bold in the Lord, that you step out. Uh, We noticed last week that Titus got a little bit of a different character. The places where Paul sent Titus always seemed to be difficult places. When Paul was ministering in Corinth, everybody here to study the book of Corinthians, uh, what kind of church was the Corinthian church? Toe up, right? They were a jacked up church. They had all kind of sin. They had they had things. They said that Corinthian church was doing things that non-believers didn't do. And so Paul, as he's ministering there, you got to leave somebody strong behind to deal with them kind of folks. Titus was the guy. And so as he came last week, as he left Titus in this area called Crete, we learned about Crete. Crete is another jacked up area. It said the people of Crete were, he called them all kind of names. They were, they were gluttonous. They were alcoholics. They were liars. They were, he called them beasts. Um, there was not a lot of good, this is, and that's Bible. That's a, that's a man of God saying it, so you know it's true. Um, so Titus is a guy being left behind to establish leadership, raise up churches, and it must be said that God wanted to go. God wanted somebody in these areas. Some of us, you know, some Christians just want to be around other Christians. I just want to go praise God with them. And God's like, well, do that, but then go reach them, right? We got to get out there where, where people that need Jesus are. Um, some some believers act like, man, they just they 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 so saved they can't even rub shoulders. Oh, might get on me, you know, and we can't be like that because how are you going to be a light in the dark if everywhere you go, the lights on? You know, what good is your flashlight in the summer during the day? You know, you need to go where it's dark at to shine the light. And so God is sending leadership to uh, this area of Crete. Titus is a guy he's raised up. Last week, we looked at some of the qualifications for uh, those that would lead, those that would serve in this way. Today, we're going to hit a bunch of different topics. We're going to look at, you know, for you guys that are here that would be considered older, older in age. There's a way that God wants to use believers that are older in age. There's going to be direction for those that are younger and what God would want to say to the younger people and how they should be living, uh, that they might glorify God. And 
Um, I want us to pay attention because I think that uh, in a healthy church, you kind of need both. You need young people because they got energy and time. You need old people because they got wisdom. Um, so if you if you can mix the two, if you can get energy and time together with wisdom, um, you can get some stuff done. But a lot of times what happens is older people are annoyed by the younger people. I think, look at his pants. Oh, she's been dressed like that. And so they don't want to deal with them. And then the younger people are like, so, oh, look at her dress. And they, they don't want to hear from them. And so that divide is satanic. Satan's like, God knows if he can get y'all together, we can really get some stuff done. So I pray that our hearts would be open, that as a younger person, I need to look up to. I need to be looking for older people that I can glean from and learn from. And as older people, you need to be looking for some younger people that you can pour into. And don't be annoyed at their new hairdo and, and how they dress these days and everything else. But, but what can you pass on? What can you, what can you give them to help them? Amen? So chapter 2, verse 1, it says, but as for you. Now, I got to, because, you know, when, it, when a sentence starts like that, it's, it's, it's a continuation to last week. So the last verse of chapter 2 talked about how that the false teachers in this area of Crete, they profess to know God. It says, but in works, they deny him being uh, abominable and being disobedient and abominable and disqualified for every good work. So those false teachers, he said, y'all, they're not living right. They're professing what they're professing this way, but they're not practicing what they're professing. Then he jumps right into chapter two and he said, but you, Titus, I know that they got, I know those guys are living like that. I know they're not telling the truth. I know they're saying one thing and they're doing another, but you, this is what I want you to do. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. So first of all, Titus, the things that you need to be speaking, things that are proper for sound doctrine. How do you learn sound doctrine? You got to spend time in the word. You got to spend time in Bible study. You got to spend time reading for yourself. Um, you make sure that the things you're speaking. I know there are people speaking all these false things. Don't worry about that. Don't 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 weary yourself with that. You make sure you're speaking sound doctrine. Uh, one thing that I learned early on, you know, my experience in the world as a non-believer was that most people that I knew that that said they were Christians didn't really live up to what I understood as a non-believer. Christians, you know, non-believers know how we're supposed to be living. So most people that I knew that went to church, I would check them out like, so you went to church today, huh? You want, you want, you want one too? You want to drink that with me? Yeah. And I would look at them like, man, why you waste your Sunday morning? I did, it didn't make, it didn't add up. You know, I'm like, why would you spend Sunday? Why you wear them clothes and you go to that? Why you do all that? But you just like me. You might as well come hang out with me Sunday morning. We can go get it started early. You know, it didn't make sense to me. Why there was the, 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 you know, it just didn't add up. And so my experience said that I, from what I hear and what I see, it, I don't, it doesn't make sense. I don't see how it all adds up. And so one thing the Lord showed me when I first got saved was you make sure you don't make sure that you're not another one of those. That desire of my heart needed to be that I could be uh, the real deal, that I would be that I would walk with the Lord in sincerity, that anybody investigating my life wouldn't see something where they say, oh, he's supposed to be saved. You know, he posted, he said he go, he go to church and look at him, you know, that there wouldn't be that in my life. And so I could use that excuse forever. But God said, no, 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 that's true. That's out there. You make sure you don't become another one. I need some real believers out there. And so that's what Paul's telling Titus. Titus, I know that they're doing this. But you, you make sure you're speaking the things that 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 bring about that, that are proper for sound doctrine. What sound doctrine is just it's solid Bible sound. doctrine. This is solid what the word of God actually teaches the, the today. Like then, you know, you look at today, you go to Christian TV, which I always tell y'all, don't don't get your don't get your Bible study on. Some people, I was studying today. Where? I was watching TV. No, that's not how you study. You might be offended. Some of y'all don't know better. I love you guys. Are you guys, can I, can I, say, I love you guys. I love you guys. <laughs> TBN, if you had to like add it up for the for the week, you know, if you had to add up 
what's on there. It's so much false on there that if you don't have a solid foundation in the word of God already, not a good idea for you to spend your time there. That's not how you study the Bible. You got word of faith. You got miracle worker. You got you got it all on there. A lot of things that just aren't sound doctrine. But, you know, for some people that don't ever study, that's all, you know, like I, I never studied on my own. Um, and I just go listen to them. So the first I heard that they, they must be right. He's a pastor. They got a big old congregation or whatever. Not necessarily. Hitler had a big old congregation. So I'm going to stop there. But, you know, <laughs> sound doctrine. It needs to be accurate. It needs to be true. Um, you should study for yourself. I've talked to people that have come out of cults and realized as they came out that, man, if I had just read it for myself, I would have known better. Right. That's why I encourage you guys every year we do the Bible reading. I'm telling you, all read on your own, too. I'm not the only way for y'all to hear from God. Everybody here ought to have a personal direct connect where you get up in the morning, you pray, you read. God spoke to me apart from church, apart from the pastor, apart from the leaders. God's speaking to me. We got a, a relationship that way. Everybody needs to have that. You know, we still come out. We do Bible study. We gather together. But everybody needs to have a personal correct connect with the Lord. God will speak to you. God will reveal things. He'll straighten up wrong stuff. Paul said that the Bereans, when he went to Berea and he preached the word, they took notes. They were like, all right, cool. That was cool, Paul. We're going to go home and double check and make sure we agree. We'll let you know. And Paul said, hey, he didn't say, how dare you? I'm a man of God. He didn't do that. <laughs> Paul said, he said, hey, they're more noble. That, he, he noted them for that. He said, hey, I, I, pre I appreciate that. Y'all go home and because when y'all check it out, y'all going to find it's true. But he said, that's a good practice. And he didn't put them down for that. So any man of God put you down for asking questions, you need to question that. Well, I can't question it. You know, because if you tell the truth, you got three people ask you three times. It's still going to be the truth. You know, you go check that out. You can verify it, you know. So moving on, verse uh, two now, he says he speaks now to the older men. And again, by older here, he is speaking of older in age. And so to the older men, he says be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. Let's run that back real quick for the older men. What is God saying for the older men? What do they need to be like? First, they need to be sober. Not just that you're not drunk. That would be good, too. We appreciate it. We appreciate your your soberness. That's also. But, you know, he's saying sober. They need to be men that are that are under control, just a, a sober self-control. The opposite of sober, you know, would be somebody just out of control. You understand when you got little kids out of control. But when you got a guy in his 60s, just like, bro. It's time to slow down. I mean, you, you're supposed to know better by now. You know, you, you're supposed to know a few things. You know, he should be sober. Somebody that can be respected. Someone you can look to and say, I, I, I would I would I would hear him. I would receive from this guy. Sober, reverent. Um, this guy as a re reverences the Lord. He's a reverent man. He's someone that you can, again, you can receive from. You can respect in that way. Temperate, self-control. This guy is not out of control. Interesting that age doesn't necessarily you know, stop things. You know, someone can be older, and if you're older without God, you just are more set in your foolishness. So gray hair don't always mean wisdom. It just means I've been doing it a long time. You know, so and now if you've been in God in a long time, then that gray hair means something. That's, I want to hear from you, you know, but if you've been rebelling for a long time, that's, that's, that's old rebellion. What you know how to do real good for a real long time is rebel. So old age doesn't equal you know, wise. It just means whatever you've been doing, you've been doing it a long time. So for the older people, um, you want to be in such a place. It's a goal. It should be the goal of the goal of younger people is that you would grow old and wise. And the goal of older people is that, you know, I want to be in a place where I could glean, that people could glean from me. I could take from my experiences and what I've learned over life and time and I could share it with the next generation. 
I can be a part of building up God's church in that way if my life fits this criteria. So sober minded, um, sober, reverent, temperate, uh, sound in the faith. This is person, their walk with God is solid. They're sound in the faith. They're not all over the place. They weren't in a cult two months ago. Now they over here this month and then they hopping over here. They're, they're sound. They're steady, sound in the faith, not all over the place, in love and in patience. This is an old person. They're, they're sound, in, they're sound in, in the word. They're sound in love. They're sound in patience. These are the qualities that God would say to the older saints. You want to you have these things. It takes patience. When you're older and you got somebody young, anybody older try to minister to young people? You don't just say it once, do you? Or twice, three times, four times, 50 times. I mean, you, so you need patience, right? Because it's frustrating um, when you're trying to pass it down. That's when younger parents don't have some. I told you one time, boy. You know, they're about to choke them to death and older people a little more patient. Come here now. Now, come here. I'll, do, I'll wait for them. Wait, wait for them to get over there. You're just a little more slow, a little more patient. Patience. Being able to bear with people in their difficulty. These are qualities in the older man, older man of God. The God says, hey, this will cause you to be useful in the body of believers. Verse three says to the older women, so older ladies, older women, older men, a little different. We had a men's conference yesterday and I'm pretty sure some of the things my wife's like, what? she asked me, I said, I don't go to your women's conference. I ain't got to tell you what we talked about. It was it was man stuff, you know, so it might be too much for you, girl. You know, so um, well, to the women, it's a little different. The things that God wants to minister to the older women, some different challenges. Older men have some challenges. Older women have some different challenges. Um, it says, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior. So. Um, that the older women are their, their behavior, they're reverent. It means there's a respect for God in, in their in the way that they live out and conduct themselves. We live in a culture right now where the world is celebrating old people behaving in a foolish way. Our world to take an old woman with a dirty mouth cussing and, and celebrate that. Like, oh, it's just so funny. And God is saying, that's not what I want in the kingdom. I want some old women. That they're older women, not old. It's not like you've done yet, but older you know, I got to be careful. What's, what's, what's the age on that? <laughs> oh, no, you're not going to get me there. <laughs> older than somebody else. You're older, okay? <laughs> so, but that they be reverent in their behavior. They're just a way that you're behaving that says, hey, I, I, I revere the Lord. I respect, I honor God. I fear God in my life. Reverent in their behavior, not slanderers. And that word was interesting when I looked it up. And I don't always, when you look up slanderers in the Greek, the Greek word is diablos, the devil. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> slanderers is the same word used for the devil. The word means to speak falsely or to falsely accuse someone. And we know that that's what the devil does. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So God says, hey, you older ladies, older women. Um, because for some reason, men, I know there's some men that do this too, but for whatever reason, it's more women do it more. You know, don't judge me. The Bible, they didn't say it to the men. So he said, hey, don't slander people. Don't be talking bad about people because on whatever reason, women talk a lot. They get together, girl, and, and you embellish. And, and then next thing you know, I mean, you know, all kind of stuff. And he said, don't, that's the devil's work. Don't be a part of that. So if you're a lady and you say, man, I, I struggle with that. I'd be, I'd be chopping people up. I, I'd be like, well, you saw her hair? I, you know, and just talking bad about people, accusing them falsely, suggesting things that are not true. Bible says older, older women, you know, set, a, set an example for the younger because they struggle with it, too. So you guys set an example. They come to you with some. So, oh, don't do that, girl. We got we don't we don't want to do that. We don't want to be falsely accusing people. And I, let's think of the word. That's heavy. That's the same thing the devil does. It's the devil's work. So you don't want to be a slanderer. You don't want to be talking 
about people, accusing people falsely. Something that I've known people to do is we might see something that someone, you know, did. And then we don't know why they did it or where it came from, but we'll go ahead and add, you know, we'll go ahead and fill in the blanks. You know, I, I bet she did that because, or I, I bet she, you know, whatever. And it's like, you don't know that. That's falsely accusing them. You're making up stuff. You, you, you're filling in the blanks. Don't do that. Don't do that to people. Even when you know something bad about somebody else, you know, is it necessary to say? I love the little acronym uh, Greg Laura uses. He calls it THINK. Is it true? Yes, it's true. Is it helpful? Um, is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Just a good little thing to run through when I because I know some things about people that are true, but it wouldn't be helpful and it's not necessary and it wouldn't inspire anybody and ain't kind. It don't need to be said. It's unnecessary. You know, just my knowledge of it don't mean I need to communicate it to you. Amen. So that they be reverent, not slanderers, not given to much wine, not you're not you're not saucy walking around, not addicted to alcohol. Basically, um, y'all know my saying. How you guarantee that you won't be addicted to alcohol? Don't drink it. It's your only guarantee. Right? Everybody you know that's a drunk didn't plan to be a drunk. Nobody ever got drunk the first time and said, I'm, I'm going to commit the rest of my life to having to do this. Even when I don't. Nobody says that. Nobody says I want to be an alcoholic. Nobody says I want to be addicted to crack. Nobody says I want to be. Nobody, nobody plans to be that. It's just that you don't plan not to. You don't take necessary steps. You don't walk in wisdom with your liberty. We have liberty. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I could actually have a beer. Y'all know that? It wouldn't be against the Bible for me to go and have a beer. But it would it be wise? Um, would it be helpful? When I weigh out what it could cost me, because I used to be an alcoholic, it just wouldn't be wise for me to go have a beer for a lot of reasons. I know if I have a beer, I got some fellas, but if you have one, I could have 10. You know, there are people that are looking at my example. That's one reason. Another reason is I don't put that much confidence in this flesh. Right. Let a man take heed when he thinks he stand, least he fall. Right. I didn't plan to be addicted to alcohol when I first got addicted. The Lord delivered me, but I didn't plan. I didn't, I didn't plan on it. I just ended up there. How did I end up there drinking? First, it was just on the Friday, you know, with my buddies. Then it was like well, Friday and Saturday. And then it was, hey, why not Sunday? Just throw the whole weekend in. And before you knew it, it was happening during the week and ruining school. I was ditching days of school to do it. And there it went. And by the time I woke up and realized, I said I was not going to do it and I keep doing it. I'm, I'm a, you know, that's, I guess what they call addicted, but I never acknowledged that I was addicted back then. But I would, I would plan on New Year's Eve. This is it. This year, I'm going to get my life together. I'm, I'm really straighten up. Ooh, and then, then New Year's Day would come and it'd be like, everybody else was doing it. So <laughs> maybe next, maybe the day after New Year's and it, it never happened. So like I say, the Lord delivered me. So for me, there's a wisdom in saying, not messing with it. So I just, for, that's for free for whoever's out there. It would be wiser not to drink than to drink. There really isn't any wisdom in exercising that liberty. So uh, moving on, that they not be given to wine. Teachers of good things. Now, the, we'll see from the younger women. Now, one of the things that women are to be doing, you know, you take a woman, an older woman, and she's had children, and then ideally she's been teaching. She's been teaching the word at home. She's been raising up kids in the Lord. She's been ministering God's word. There's, there's an expectation that there's a spiritual maturity about her. So now in her, as she's an older, wiser lady, man, make sure you're teaching good things to whoever will listen to you. You ask some young, it's going to tell us in just a minute that the older women need to be teaching the younger women, but you can't teach what you haven't done, right? They're going to be told to teach them. Well, let's go look at it. So Verse four, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands and to love their children. I, had, I meditated on that last two weeks. I was like, 
You really got to teach a woman to love her husband? <laughs> I, I thought it was just automatic. You know, you just love me, right? We, but and to love her kids, my mind thinks that you ain't got to teach a woman to love her husband. He just, you just got to get him, you know, got to hook up the right folk. And then, uh, you know, and I don't, my mind says, you know, to teach a woman to love her baby, a baby, and she nurse him and she just love him. But the older woman, if, if it says you got to teach him how to do it, then it's not always automatic. And so, and I, I'm not naive to think that, you know, there wouldn't be time where someone has to choose. You know, love is not a, a it's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't listen. I don't, I never confirm people. Oh, I fell in love. No, no, you can't fall in love. You can't fall out. You were choosing to love them. And now you fell out of love. No, you stopped choosing to love them. Everybody know love is a choice. Everybody. Okay. If you didn't know today, love is a choice. You can choose today to love anybody you want to love. You can choose today to not love somebody. They're getting on my nerves. They did this wrong. I'm taking my love, putting it in my back pocket. I'm not giving it to you. No, it's a choice. It's something that you can choose to do. That's come you can have a mother with a tore up kid getting in all kind of trouble, costing her money, making her hair fall out, and she just still choosing to love him. It's a choice. Choosing to love. I choose to love him. Let your husband do that mess, though. You know, so uh, love is a choice. So it says the older women teach the younger women to love their husband. So listen, that would mean that the older women have been making this choice for some time. I've been choosing to love my husband, even when he's not lovely. I've been choosing to love him when he when he's not right. And so I'm I'm good at it. So when this young girl comes, my husband and I'm and she's like, oh girl, let's sit down. Let me let me break it down. We have been there. If I've been, you know, you just be able to pass that down. It would be so helpful because that's not the counsel young women are getting from each other. And from some older, unwise woman, you know, girl, I'll just leave, make them sleep on the couch then. And it's like, that's, that's not what my Bible says. You know, so you, that's, it's, it's got to be, you have to have lived it out to pass it down. But God says, older women, I want you to be able to do this. The church depends on these younger women coming up, depending on you older ladies getting it so that you have it to turn around and say, let me pass it down. Yeah, I know. I, I, is it difficult? Oh, yeah. You know, there are going to be times in a marriage that's hard. Yes, yes. Don't, don't be shocked, girls. It, but, you, you know, you, you can get by, get by that. You want to teach them how to love their husbands. So I, I had wrote a list, you know, because love is, in addition to being a choice, love is action. What, what kind of action, what, what love and action does a woman need to teach, a, you know, how do you love a husband? Now, I'm not going to get graphic. That's, this is a, how, do, how does a woman love her husband, right? Every, everybody has their own love language. Love is action. It's just in your action that you love your husband. It may be that you know that this pleases him. This blesses him. Uh, it may be what you prepare. It may be other things that you do. It's just, you know, it's love is action. So I can't be like, I love you. No action. That gets empty after a while. That goes both ways. Just men do that stuff too. Girl, I love you. As empty words if they're not followed up with a lifestyle of, of, of active loving someone. But teach the younger women to love their husbands. Uh, again, I believe they can love their husband in their behavior. They can love their husband in how they deal with the household, how they deal with the children, how they deal with him, giving themselves away. Um, and all the different ways that loving someone would cause us to die to ourselves, to love someone else, um, love their husband. Then it says love your children. Teach, teach a younger woman to love their children. What's that look like? Being there for them, making yourself available, being able to teach. How do you love a child? You love a child with discipline. We have a whole generation of people that are growing up taking advice on how to raise kids from TV. That's, they're getting it wrong. They don't want to discipline their kids no more. And so you see the result of that. Kids are bad. You know, and they, they, you see a mother with kids that are bad and they think they're loving him. I love him so much. They emotion him so much, but they're not loving him in a biblical way. Right? I'm going to love you. 
gonna get that butt when it's needed, you know? I'm gonna discipline you so that you don't keep going the wrong way. The Bible says if you don't discipline your child, you hate them. You've been listening to a transforming word as Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of Titus. This book is another letter penned by the Apostle Paul. Titus was a respected friend and fellow worker in the ministry. Paul had even traveled with Titus to the island of Crete at one point. So when Paul wrote this letter to Titus, it was meant to encourage him in the work that was going on. In a similar way as people before him, Paul counseled Titus to set up some others that could be trusted to uphold things that were true and pure about the Word and about Christianity. You see, many people were trying to corrupt the scriptures and were trying to establish false teaching. But Paul was reminding Titus of the things that really mattered and that God's word needed to be protected. Isn't this how it is today too? There are all kinds of fronts that come at the church and at God's word on a daily basis. Being solidly grounded in the word of God is where your efforts should be so that the truth can be spread. We're happy you have been a part of today's edition of A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community, and we'd love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California. So if you're in the area, we'd love to see you come this Sunday at 9 or 11 in the morning. Or you can join us on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Well, we'll be back in Titus next time on A Transforming Word.